This is a Border Fuel production. Chiefs Kingdom. This is the Chiefs Take Podcast. You are here. It is Super Bowl week. That's right. Super Bowl is this Sunday. The Kansas City Chiefs are rolling into Tampa. Chiefs are undefeated on the road this year. It's going to be another one. I'm joined. I'm your host, Caleb James. Joined, as always, by Cody Bell and Peyton Spots. Boys, how are we feeling today on this fine Wednesday evening? Not victory Wednesday, but this is the week. I'd rather be preparing for the Super Bowl next Wednesday. So hopefully next Wednesday we're talking about a Chiefs win. Peyton, what are we thinking about this? The hours are starting to feel like days. The hours are starting to feel like days. The hours are starting to feel like days. I was like, I was. It should be Sunday. I was chill dogging in the uh, my basement Sunday night. Didn't have nothing to do on Monday, and I just kind of came over me. It's like, oh man, at this time seven days from now, I'm either going to be celebrated, I'm going to be happy, I'm going to be running around like a wild man in the street, probably take my shirt off, do some crazy things, or I'm going to be sitting in this exact same spot and I'm going to have sad boy hours on the playlist, and it's <laughs> going to suck. So, but that we're not even going to talk as if we're going to lose and. You know, the Chiefs are going to play a road game because the team they're going against, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they are playing the first ever home game in the history of the Super Bowl. What kind of an impact do you guys think that's going to have on the game? I would say that it would have a bigger impact if COVID wasn't happening. So the fact that they're only letting, what, like 20,000 fans in, mm-hmm. um, I hope at least half of them are Chiefs fans. We do travel pretty well, but – it being COVID and the capacity being limited, I don't think that it being at home is really going to make that much of a difference. And we have good luck in Florida, so. That is true. Peyton, any thoughts on that old road contest? Uh, Peyton's internet looks like it's running a little slow right now. You know what's crazy about – it would be if you just mapped out the NFL and if you were just looking at the 100 years on a piece of paper – so you look at like the last 20 years, you just see the Patriots dominate. It's only fitting that Tom Brady gets a home Super Bowl. It only makes sense. And yeah. I don't know if we're playing the Tampa Bay Patriots or the New England Buccaneers this week, but it seems <laughs> like we all know there's a large portion of the country who really enjoy Tom Brady and they really enjoy just jockeying his accomplishments and I got news for them. I think a hurricane is coming, much like it came last (laughs) time to Tampa Bay. But, yeah, this is like the NFL's dream matchup because it's – I don't want to be cliche and say it's the passing of the guard, but it's Mahomes versus Brady in the Super Bowl. So what kind of implications do you guys think that has on the game? Because that in and of itself is enough to sell tickets and sell popcorn. But then when you actually look at it, this is a legacy game for both of these guys. It kind of it kind of does feel like the passing of the guard, though. I did see Tom say that he would consider like playing past forty five, which he's forty three now and he's still playing pretty good football. But I mean, it only makes sense. You have the most accomplished quarterback ever. There's no doubt about that. And then you have a quarterback who has a chance, like we talked about, you know, last week, has a chance to have the best three seasons by any athlete ever. Ever the potential of having. Yeah, two Super Bowl MVPs, two Super Bowls, and a regular season MVP. So the NFL couldn't have drew it up any better. But if 
if there's a story to be made here or a case to be made for anybody to have a chance at catching Tom at being considered one of the greatest, we'll be playing for the Chiefs on Sunday wearing 15. He wears number 15 for the Kansas City Chiefs. Peyton, you, you hear us up there? Is your internet just spinning and spinning and you got that rock server going on up there right now? Yeah, it's like it's going in and out. I can hear you guys right now. I don't know if you can hear me. We hear you just – yeah, you're just cutting a little bit. It's no big deal. Uh, that's kind of how Tom Brady's, like, moves around and stuff these days. He's so old. He's like Peyton's internet. He's just slowly churning, not real fluid, <laughs> and just kind of old in general. You know what makes this Super Bowl interesting? Not only the fact that these other things happened, it's that these two teams played each other earlier in the season and it's a close game score was closer than I think a lot of people thought it was going to be the Chiefs only won by three points but if you look at how the Chiefs won then you and if you actually watch the whole game it didn't feel that close because the Chiefs dominated several aspects of that football game one of them being that Patrick Mahomes was throwing to this guy named Tyreek Hill and they went bananas yeah he had 203 yards and two touchdowns in the first quarter right yeah Absolutely ridiculous. What sucks is, is we're probably not going to see that. I mean, how cool would that have been if that was the Super Bowl? And you it'd saw a rub like that. But come in. Okay. Oh, yeah. You want to be on the podcast again, Cam? He didn't want to hear what time the 49ers play this week. Cam, Cam didn't want to hear what Cam didn't want to be insulted <laughs> again. I think we lost Peyton. I'm going to text him here in a minute. He I don't know. Texted. He said – Quote, unquote, my shit's fucked. (laughs) So his internet is destroyed right now. Totally Um, fucked. Let's see here. Peyton's going to try to come in on his iPhone. I'm going to let him in. Of course, we'll have technical difficulties the week before Yule Super Bowl. Hey, buddy, you there? (laughs) Yeah, I am. It's helpful, man. Switching things up. You know, I'm going to go to my phone. (laughs) He's gotten on the phone. Were you on your laptop? Yeah. All right. Um, I, Cody, I noticed you used some interesting wording when you were talking about Tom Brady a minute ago. You said the most accomplished quarterback of yeah. all time. Peyton, do you have any comments about a certain Twitter page that we all kind of follow who may dispute whether Tom Brady is the GOAT or not? Well, uh, there's this Twitter account. And I read a tweet a today account. that said 19 years ago, Tom Brady – you guys hear me? Yeah, you're good. Can you hear me? Yeah. Um, 19 years ago, Brady won the Super Bowl by scoring two touchdowns against the Rams. And then to prove the haters wrong, two years ago, he scored 13 points against the Rams to win another Super Bowl. And I'll just tell you right now, Patrick Mahomes is going to win any Super Bowls scoring 13 points. No, that's very I don't true. think anybody will. No. It's just and- crazy. Now, there's been a couple of things I've seen this week where I saw Danny Amendola for the Buccaneers, or not the Buccaneers, when he was on the Patriots, he said Tom Brady is the Patriot way. To me, that seems a little cliched and a little bit like just like recency bias. Yeah, but it seems like a lot of recency bias because you do look at those Tom Brady teams with Bill Belichick and they always had a top 10 defense. They always had something great elite defensive secondaries, elite pass rushers, great linebackers. So that to me seems like a little bit of recency bias, but definitely that's helped him out. But you can't deny his accomplishments, and that's what people are going to be looking at this week. Because headed into this, 
you know, if the Chiefs lose, then there's going to be a lot of people that will never, ever give Mahomes his due as being potentially the greatest ever, despite the fact that he's on pace to break every major passing record and he is only in his third season playing for his second Super Bowl. Do you guys see this game as being both as being the legacy defining moment for even Patrick Mahomes this early in his career and for Tom Brady this late in his career? Is this is this the defining moment of his legacy if it comes down to him losing to Mahomes? Do you think that people start to not consider him the greatest anymore after this game if the Chiefs win? It's a lot to digress there, but I touched on it last week, and I, I do think that Mahomes has to beat him uh, to have a shot at, you know, being considered the greatest quarterback of all time. And it's not that I don't think that Patrick Mahomes is a better thrower of the football or a more developed passer or anything like that. You're, when you're just talking about Tom Brady and him potentially winning on Sunday, knock on wood, he's going to have seven Super Bowls. Well, there's yeah. nobody, and I don't think, in the history of the game and the way the way is, the game is going, that I can see anybody, you know, reaching seven Super Bowls. And he didn't do himself any favors, you know, allowing his defense, for the most part, to bail him out. You know, you have the, the tuck rule, and then you have D4 jumping off sides, which would probably prevent Mahomes from what this would be his third Super Bowl by the way, mm -hmm. uh, you've got those, you know, points in time where his defense bailed him out. But then you also have the games where he played Atlanta and, you know, he had probably the best comeback ever and probably almost any sport. So he has those wins that do solidify his greatness. Uh, but I think Mahomes has to beat him because if you're going to talk about these two down the road, you have to look, Mahomes is definitely going to have to beat him in the Super Bowl. He's definitely going to have to have a better record when they face just overall. And then they definitely, Mahomes definitely has to have a better playoff record overall. And so by him winning this game pretty much solidifies all that. He beats Tom in the Super Bowl. His playoff record against Tom Brady is better. And his overall record against Tom Brady is better. So this is a big game, I think, for Mahomes' legacy. Now, if Tom Brady loses this game, the question will be is what has Mahomes done 10 years from now? Right. And that's the part of this we can't, we don't know what's going to happen. That's why this is such a wild thing is that Tom Brady has all this stuff to back him, and all he's got to do is win one more game. And Mahomes has to win this game, and he has to keep living up to expectations these next 10 years. But much like D. Ford in the playoffs, Peyton has vanished from this one more time. His, fucked. his shit is fucked right now. He sent <laughs> us a, He just sent us in his Chiefs take. I think he is given up for the time being on that if he tries to get back in we will let him in. I don't see any indication that he is trying to do that right now. Let me ask you this. Tom Brady has lost the Super Bowl a few times. You know, he's lost it one time to uh, Doug Peterson and the Philadelphia Eagles, Andy Reid assistant. They knew how to play them. He's also lost yep. to a named Steve Spagnuolo, Chiefs defensive coordinator, who we talked about it last week. By some twist of faith, he is now the Chiefs defensive coordinator a year after he got hired in to ensure the Chiefs could beat the Patriots and win the AFC. And I went back and watched some of that 2007 Super Bowl. And even then, even as good as those Giants teams were, they were still blitzing Tom Brady. And if you look at the last two times the Chiefs have played the Patriots, Spags has not held anything back when it's come to blitzing, but he's also not held anything back when it comes to his play calling and really – the more aggressive he's played against Brady, it seems like the more success the Chiefs have had, and they've been able to get pressure on him with middle blitzes and edge blitzes this past season. 
how big of an impact do you think Spags' play calling is going to make on this game moving forward? Huge. Um, I actually have a stat here that's going to be pretty fascinating, but even more than just play calling, it's going to come down to really execution. And this stat's going to tell a lot of that. So this stat is the 2020 season. So, you know, last year's uh, postseason and then this year's season and postseason. Uh, when Tom Brady is facing no pressure, he has 43 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Under pressure, he has four touchdowns, six interceptions. When he's not blitzed, he has 33 touchdowns, nine interceptions. And when he is blitzed, he has 14 touchdowns and six interceptions. So the noticeable difference there is under pressure. It's not necessarily blitzing because when he is blitzed, he still does have 14 touchdowns and six interceptions, which isn't as good as a ratio as when he's not blitzed. But the key there is pressure. So you can send blitzes, but if they're not getting home, then they're just not as effective. So it has to be a blitz that is going to affect Tom Brady, affect the throw, make him throw it early, make him chuck it up like we saw a couple times last week. But the key is the key is not blitzing, it's pressure. Yes, I agree 100%. And if you look back to the game this past time, the Chiefs held the Buccaneers to 33% on third down, while the Chiefs were able to convert 50% of their third downs. And the part of the reason the Chiefs were able to get such a massive lead is the Patriots had about three or four three and outs in a row. And on most of those three and outs, they were blitzing. The blitzes they were bringing were the Chiefs were blocking up Daniel Sorensen and letting him go through a B gap. They had some kind of a backside stunt going just to kind of draw the lineman's eyes probably. But then they were bringing either Anthony Hitchens or even Ben Neiman of all people on a delay. The delay is not intended to necessarily hit home. It's designed to get the ball out of Brady's hands fast because we know at this point in his career, he does not want to be taking hits. He doesn't have to. And there were times that it caused overthrows, underthrows, and it caused him to go to guys that weren't open. Noticeably, one time, Bashad Breland was uh, locked up on track star Scotty Miller, and uh, he entered the NFL. Fastest guy in the NFL. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. Yeah. But uh, he's Bashad Breland sitting here locking up on Scotty Miller, and Brady throws a bad ball. And, you know, Breland has great inside positioning, and he just goes up and intercepts it on another time. Breland is all over Mike Evans and you know it's a bad throw and Breland's able to go in there and contact the ball I think it's interesting because a lot of people have been talking about this Tampa Bay receiving core and how good they've been all season long but when you look at them there's some bigger more physical receivers guys like Evans and Godwin and you know even Antonio Brown and throwing a Gronkowski in there every once in a while the Chiefs have the perfect cornerbacks play corners they have the perfect corners because all of them, and I'm talking maybe smallest guy out of that unit is Rashad Fenton, and he's still a physical player. You know, he's going to get in there. But I still see Ward and Breland and Legereus Sneed, who really didn't play a whole lot that last game, still having a big impact on this game. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, I went back and watched the game earlier today, and I think Rashad Breland probably had his best game of the season against what I would consider a top – five receiver in the NFL, you know, four or five is probably where I'd put him. And then Charverius Ward, he also has his best game against bigger receivers. They're not as shifty. They're not as quick. He's a bigger corner probably around the six foot six, one range. So yeah, I, I agree. It plays into our hand perfectly. Uh, the key is just, again, it's just going to be getting pressure on Tom Brady. Yeah. Do you think that, uh, do you think that the Buccaneers come out and try to run the ball effectively at all? Or do you think that they, 
try to mix it up and do a little bit of both? Uh, I think they'll honestly, they'll probably do a little bit of both. And I think that's, um, that's really how Tom Brady, I think wants to play. I think he wants to have a more balanced attack. Uh, for example, I think the worst thing for him was, uh, being down 28 to three and basically forcing him to pass the ball every single play. Mm. I think Tom Brady really wants to manage the game. And then the other side of that is if you're the Buccaneers coaching staff, you're probably thinking the same thing. Let's keep Mahomes off the field. Let's run the ball, keep the ball in Tom Brady's hand. He's going to make good decisions for the most part. So I definitely think, and that was a big, that was a big thing uh, in the second half when they played us, when they started scoring points, their run game started to be more effective. Whereas in the first half, we had pretty much shut it down. That game, I don't think the Chiefs were really showing a whole lot defensively in the second half because Armani Watts was in there a few times and he was just not performing well. So anytime, anytime you see, uh, but the Chiefs also had guys improving in their secondary. Also, it's kind of interesting. Chiefs are going to get to this point now where they were able to shut down the Browns' run game. They were able to shut down the Bills' passing game, and now it's time for the defense to put together a complete game of football which I think it would only be fitting that they would have to do it in the Super Bowl of all games, especially as hot as this defense has looked. Two guys who didn't really make a big impact or play many reps in the game earlier this year against Tampa was Legereus Sneed and Juan Thornhill, and those guys are both playing. Have the last two weeks have each played outstanding football. Juan Thornhill looks like he's finally back to healthy, and Legereus Sneed is looking like a future all-pro out there, and the Chiefs brought some edge pressures a couple of times, but now with Snead in there, it's just another set of things for uh, Tampa Bay to have to worry about. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I think Snead and, and Juan have, they've honestly been a big impact of how well our defense has played. What's interesting about Juan is I actually saw a tweet today that said he feels hundred percent and he feels like he's back to his old self where we saw him late last season before the knee injury. Um, Touch on your first point. What did you say again? Your first point? No, oh, I I can't remember off the top. I can't remember. I'm trying to think of what it was right now. I was, I was just numbers and I got. I was just saying it's been interesting how they've had to stop Cleveland's run and how they've had yeah, to did right. that effectively shut down Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, and now it's time for them to come play that complete game. Obviously, this unit has a ton of confidence. There's just. Yeah, but like you said, Legere Sneed, he didn't get a lot of it and a ton of reps the last time they played. But now he's become this guy that can rush the passer off the edge. And the Chiefs, he knows how good Spags is at disguising stuff. That's just going to be something else for them to have to look at. And, you know, Brady's not as mobile in the pocket. He doesn't work it like he used to. The Buccaneers have a really good offensive line. They're able to let him get back there and set. When you look at the other – I saw this uh, graphic on next-gen stats, and it was like where quarterbacks throw from the pocket, and you have Patrick Mahomes all the way out here over in China, down in Mexico, all over the place throwing the football. And then Tom Brady's, all of his passes from the season are like in just like one consistent dot, and it's like you can feel it. There's like you can barely see any space in there. They know where he likes to line up at, so I wouldn't be surprised to see Spags try to – heat him up with some of that outside pressure as well as keep on bringing those inside looks. Yeah, I was going to ask you from an offensive line perspective, how much easier – because I think I saw that same tweet by uh, Jeff Schwartz. Yeah. Uh, How much easier is it to block, you know, as an offensive lineman, to block for a quarterback that you know is going to want to sit in the pocket as opposed to, uh, you know, a Mahomes who 
his best football is played outside of the pocket. And before you answer that question, I think the dynamic of this game that we can't compare to these other two playoff games is our disguises and our ability to hide coverages in the back end really mess with Baker Mayfield and really mess with Josh Allen. I mean, really, really mess with Josh Allen. There was times he looked clueless and had no idea what he was reading, which has kind of been his knock, right? But Tom Brady, there's not going to be a look, uh, a movement, a formation on defense that he hasn't seen before. I mean, he's played 200 years of football, so. Yeah, he's been around for two centuries. So back to the offensive line thing, um, it's a double-edged sword because obviously when you have the classic pocket passer like Tom Brady, it was just you have a general idea of where you need to set every play and what kind of an angle you need to take and how long you have to be able to protect for. The downside of that is by chance you get beat, you are going to be in a serious amount of trouble at that point. Whereas with Patrick Mahomes, yes, at some points he may do something crazy that bungles the play and makes some outstanding play, or maybe he falls too far back in the pocket and your guy gets past you. But then that time that you get ripped off the edge or someone comes back in with a spin to the inside, he's just going to reverse out like he did against Cam Jordan earlier this year. He's going to reverse out, completely stop, step up, and fire a dime. And instead of giving up a sack on that play, you're going to be walking up to the huddle and getting ready for another play. Meanwhile, the defender across from you knows he just made his best football play of the game and the Chiefs gained 30 yards. So there's that. (laughs) And, yeah, you know, Tom Brady, he's played for a trillion years. He's old. He's old man Brady. Where the scheme, he's going to be – his schematics are clearly always going to be great. You play that much football, you know what's going to happen. With me, it's just, is that rust going to catch up? You saw the rust last time. You saw the rust last week against Green Bay. He let, the second Packers, half. he let the Packers back into the game once they started applying pressure. Yeah. And the Packers had about the dumbest game plan I've ever seen. Mike Patine, he got fired for a reason after yeah. that game, which the Packers are allegedly interested in Bob Sutton. So they're really trying to get their rebuild. They're trying to get Rodgers out of there. Yeah, there's – they're trying to lose to Tom Brady for the next, what, 15 years probably? Yeah. Bob Sutton. At least they play in one of the worst divisions in football, in my opinion. Yeah, well, especially next year, right? Yeah, got to go through Trubisky and Goff and Kirk Cousins up there in the north. Yeah. yeah. That's just wild to me, though. Yeah, that's so weird, though, how, like, Mahomes gets – I know Mahomes gets criticized for that, but to be fair – and this kind of might be an interesting segue into our another little point. To be fair to Mahomes, people say he drifts too far back in the pocket. He doesn't do this. If you had an offensive line as bad, if Tom Brady had an offensive line as bad as the Chiefs, he's he was he's been hurt since week three. He's none. He's retired. He is cashed in yeah. his retire his four hundred one k. He is on a beach up in Nantucket right now, and <laughs> heading into this game, the Chiefs are having what I'm going to call a big issue up front, which Andy Reid, I'll get into what Andy Reid said earlier today after this, but this is about to be the worst offensive line to ever start a Super Bowl because it is four or five backups on the field, one of which is barely played, one of which who played his worst game ever in the last Super Bowl he played in, one of which is old but has started a lot of Super Bowls, one of which is a guard and is going to be playing tackle, and one of which is Austin Ryder. So 
they are going against what I will call a good playoff pass rush. And they're a good pass rush in general, but they are old and they didn't really produce this, this season like they should have been, but they put it all together at the right time. And I think one of the big things as we kind of segue into the offense here is the Chiefs offensive line is very beat up and the Bucks pass rush, is, specifically their front seven, is hot right now. Yeah, and I keep saying it, and I'm going to keep saying it. They probably do have the best, you know, front seven in football. Uh, Levante David, he's an all-pro type linebacker. Devin White has really had a strong season this season. He's probably the fastest linebacker in the NFL, I bet, sideline to sideline. I think a key for the Chiefs offense going forward is to to minimize the impact that their offensive line has on the football game. When you go back and watch the last time that we played them, uh, the times that their pass rush was really affecting us were the times that the Chiefs were in passing situations. Mm-hmm. And I think the key for us is to stay ahead of the sticks, win first down, get to second and short, third and short, and don't play behind the sticks. I think that's probably the biggest key for our offensive line is, while the game's not going to be on them, it's going to be on 15. Put as little as the game as possible on them. It's, because they are very, 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 very average. It's almost eerie how the Chiefs went against that vaunted 49ers pass rush last season. And now this year, not going against – their, I mean, the 49ers pass rush was a ton better than this Tampa Bay pass rushes. The Chiefs were just at full health last year, and they still struggled at times. But – Something tells me this week Patrick Mahomes is going to just have to take a little play out of Alex Smith's playbooks a few times, and that's going to require hitting the check down. And I'm thinking that the Chiefs are going to have their backs leaked out and ready to go this week. So if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire does happen to be healthy, I think where he's going to get his fair share of receptions, I'd even say at this point they trust Darrell Williams enough to leak out and catch a few passes and make some plays in the open field. But, yeah. It's very important they stay in front of those sticks, and I think they're going to do it with a combination of quick passing. I'll tell you this right now. I don't think there's any situation where the Bucs don't have two safeties on the field and they're not ready to take away the deep ball, especially after what happened last time. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna play off and back more. So the, what the good news is is that those checkdowns, those sit-downs in the middle of the field, Travis Kelsey on his option routes, the swing routes to the backs, those should all be open for the most part. Yeah. But I was looking up a stat, Caleb. So last year, we all knew what type of defense the 49ers had. But going into the Super Bowl, they had the best pass defense in the NFL. Mm-hmm. The good news about playing the Bucs this week is I think they are 21st in the NFL in pass defense. Their strength is clearly stopping the run, which is good because our strength is throwing the ball. That is good. And it's interesting you bring that up because I've seen all these people this saying this week, they're gonna say, I'm getting nervous the Bucs are going to play a ton of dime. The Bucs have played less than 10% of dime defense on snaps this season. They are not about to mystically, for a couple of reasons, they're not about to magically go into some another world and become the best dime defense you've ever seen. That's not who they are, especially at this point in the season. And one of the reasons for that being is they don't have this personnel in their secondary to be able to do that. So that's going to be one of the things that I think the Chiefs will be okay on. And a lot of the things is Tampa Bay blitzes a lot. That's not – now, that's just who they are. That has nothing to do with – Todd. I mean, that's who Todd Bowles is, and that's how they've won this season. But unfortunately for them, they're kind of in a pickle too this week, not knowing how to play things because, yeah, you can go out here rah-rah and 
Jason Pierre-Paul doesn't know who anyone on the Chiefs' offensive line is. All right, rush eight if you're so tough. <laughs> Leave Carlton Davis one-on-one with Tyree Kill again. Let's see, let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah, That would be like gambling. Yeah. You got any, uh, However, I did see a I did see a tweet again by Jeff Schwartz. Man, I feel like I see a lot of tweets by Jeff Schwartz. Talk about that uh, Jason Pierre-Paul doesn't ever know who he's playing against, which just kind of seems unfathomable to me because I don't play in the NFL, but I know who a majority of you know people on guys on people's roster, especially the starting twenty-two. I have a general idea of who's out there. Yeah, I don't know. I was I, I remember seeing something like that, and. You know, I don't know. At least he decided to bring it up in the Super Bowl. But I think it's interesting that Mike Rivers is going to be playing left tackle because back in 2015, he played probably one of the worst games in the history of offensive line play. And for the Panthers in the Super Bowl at right tackle that season, they lined up Von Miller, who at that point in Von Miller's career, he was maybe the best passer. He's the best pass rusher of the generation, of our generation that we've seen, at least in my opinion especially the way he played in that game, two sacks, forced fumble, and he really got after Mike Rimmers. But what a redemption story Rimmers can have this week. And, you know, what a redemption story he can have for himself to come out here and play a good game. He's really been the most underrated free agent pickup the Chiefs have had because he's played three different positions now this season across that offensive line. But Andy Reid did say this, and I will give the Chiefs offensive line credit for this. He said, you know, he's one of the, he said, you know, it's not the prettiest group we've ever had up front. And he goes, but these guys are gritty and they play hard. And sometimes on offensive line play, you're going to get beat. But if you can just keep out gritting people, like uh, Wiley was getting smoked against the Saints, but he just kept bothering Cam Jordan enough that he got him to throw a punch in the game. (laughs) I don't know anyone that, I don't know, I don't possibly know anyone that plays for the Buccaneers that's, gotten in trouble for doing things in the middle of games that are unsportsmanlike or stomping on people or just doing general dirty things doesn't ring a bell doesn't ring a bell to me yeah no i'm talking about a dominican sue it am. would be fun it'd be funny to get old three fingers throw a punch out there though all three fingers yeah <laughs> you think do you think honestly when the buccaneers did that big cannon fire do you think he has a little bit of ptsd Say that again. You cut out. When Tampa Bay does like their little cannon deal and like does their pregame cannon, <laughs> you think he gets a little nervous, like kind of looks down and it's like, where did they go? Or has one of those moments. Starts wiggling his fingers, trying to see if he can feel them. <laughs> his yeah. nubs. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. That dude has played the last 10 years with three fingers. So props to him. That's pretty yeah. impressive. Well, and he's played pretty well, especially the last what season yeah. and a half probably he also played for spags back in the day so i'd be looking for spags to kind of be throwing a couple of tips of advice out to the old chiefs o-line for some ways they could maybe be able to handle him yeah shaq barrett had a pretty good game last time so yeah. they're gonna have to be worried about him off the edge i think it's gonna be just a big chip day on shaq barrett to kind of help the tackles out but i can also see the chiefs including a lot of screen plays. And I'm thinking we might see a couple of wide receiver screens to slow that down also. And I'm kind of thinking we see McCole Hardman make an impact at some point in the screen game. And I tell you what, the Buccaneers front seven is really good. Yeah. 
and they do do a good job of covering the field, but I can see the Chiefs trying to make them stretch them to the absolute max east and west also with their little flip passes to Hill. How good do you think the Bucks defense does it, you know, going east, east to west? Well, they've got two linebackers that are, you know, top linebackers in the NFL that can do it. But when you go back and watch the game that we played them uh, earlier this week, week seven, I think it was week seven, uh, we really did attack the perimeter with Vita Bay and Adamican Sue in the middle. You're not, you're not running the ball effectively inside. So uh, we really did attack the perimeters. We actually showed, I think our first case of the season with that option with Mahomes that yeah. ended up getting him hurt earlier. But I, I think that'll be big is those screen plays, those jet sweeps, those reverses will really be, you know, glorified runs basically our, our way of, of running the ball because running the ball inside, I don't think we'll do too effectively, not yeah. against those two. It's going to be hard, especially with as good as their linebackers are. And, you know, their linebackers may be able to run down to the outside a couple of times, maybe even three, but can Harry they – feels pretty fast. But can they do it consistently all game without gassing out? Yeah. Because that's one of the things I don't think people think about. When Tyree Kill and Paul Hardman are running across formations, playing and play out, and you have to follow them out there or you have to get ready to run out there, that can wear you down. So I think we really see Andy Reid test just how many times they can go without breaking, how many times they can go without giving up a big play. And I think it would also be kind of nice if we could get our other wide receiver, Mr. Samuel Watkins, to play this week. Yeah. He's even almost fast enough to be considered one of those motion guys. I mean, it Michael Harvin's got to be the perfect number three, four option because he's fast enough that you have to account for him when he's in fly motion. But being the three or four option, he's not out there taking 70 snaps on offense. Yeah. Like kill. And he's has all that extra juice, but yeah, he's got all that extra juice too from coming in off the bench. And then the defense sees them, they go, I mean, because if you don't think that the Buccaneers defense is going to be like, oh, man, here's Hardman. He took it 50 on them last week like it was nothing. Or, oh, man, we got to get ready to play up. Because here's the thing. The Buccaneers can play to take away the short stuff, and they can even try their best to play the perimeter. But, you know, they Chiefs are going to put them in a situation at some point where Tyree Kill has a lot of open field and they're going to have to make a tackle or find an angle on him. And that, that's really a tough thing to do. Yeah, the Chiefs do do a really good job of attacking the whole field. And it's because of Andy Reid. We are running out of a little bit of time on this one. I think it's going to be about time to take a break here. But uh, when we come back, I kind of want to talk to you about what kind of trick plays Andy Reid is going to run. I want to talk to us maybe about just a little quick little bit of NFL news. And then obviously, of course, it's always going to be time for Super Bowl predictions and Chiefs takes. Maybe we'll even try to get Peyton back. Doubtful because his internet is just not doing very well right now. His internet, yeah, it's fucked. His internet is what I would compare to a Drew Locke type situation in Denver. It's just no good. <laughs> All right, guys, this has been the first half of the Chiefs Take Super Bowl edition podcast, and we will be back after this break. This is a Border Fuel production. 
We are back here on the Chiefs Take Podcast. Unfortunately, we have lost our uh, third in command, Mr. Peyton Spots, on the show. He's having technical difficulties. His internet is working like Lamar Jackson throws. It's not working at all. So (laughs) Cody and I have a couple of stats here for you. This is just a couple of stats we're going to tell you, and then we're going to kind of get into the fun segment of the show, kind of the around the league segment of the show. But uh, Cody, yours. Well, go ahead and tell everyone your stat that you have, and I'll tell everyone my stat that I have. So I went back and I wanted to look at Tom Brady this postseason. So his last three games, and he is completing exactly fifty-five percent of his passes. And then if you go back and you look at Patrick Mahomes' last three games, he is completing over seventy percent of his passes. So for a guy considered to be the GOAT in a, a dink and dunk offense, 55% is actually terrible. It's actually a terrible completion percentage. Especially when they've been throwing a lot shorter routes. And you also got to remember that Patrick Mahomes, this game includes what, Buffalo, Cleveland, and then the game against the Falcons, which he didn't really play that great, but the Chiefs didn't really game plan anything. And then we've seen in the playoffs, obviously the Chiefs full plan for their full potential. I got another Tom Brady stat for you here, though. Tom Brady, last three times he's played the Chiefs, 2018 and 2019 in this year, he threw two interceptions in 2018 AFC Championship game, threw one last year intercepted by Bashad Breland, and he threw two this season, another one intercepted by Bashad Breland. Breland seems to be Brady's kryptonite at the cornerback position. He's been able to bait him. He's been able to go up and compete with his receivers, and he has been a general pest to Tom Brady. I'll tell you this much. As much as the Chiefs capitalize on winning on third down and taking care of turnovers, that is the recipe for disaster is to turn the ball over against this Kansas City offense. And I think it's a recipe for disaster, especially this week, because there is no next week, which means a couple of things. Andy Reid is not about to hold anything out of the playbook. We're about to get the full arsenal. We're about to get the full gun show. This is everything we we saw. Just we've seen flashes of it all season. The last week was the against the bills was the closest we've been to seeing it. It was just a tremendous effort all the way around one of his best coach games. They knew exactly where to attack the bills. Yeah. The chiefs are going to struggle up front. Yeah. They may be down a few men in that category. But Andy Reid is so good at taking what other teams do well offensively or defensively, and he plays it against them. And we can see that by the Chiefs taking big, long drops to, you know, force other teams to rush or maybe doing things to get Tyree Kill open. Andy Reid's also not afraid to call a trick play or two or a big play. We saw the Rose Bowl parade in the Super Bowl last year. Cody? You thinking we see a little, a couple of trick plays or two or something, some fun type plays out there? Because it is the Super Bowl. There's no tomorrow, and you know, you never know when you're going to get back. So why not leave it all out there? Yeah. So I was watching, and before I answer your question, Caleb, I was watching Andy Reid's press conference yesterday, or not his press conference. He had a segment with uh, Colin Coward. Man, it seems like I watch a lot of these TV talk shows, but he had a segment with Colin Coward, and he was talking about how for the most part, the game plan was put in the first week. So they have two weeks to prepare, right? Most of the game plan was put in the first week. Uh, And this second week will just be fine tuning that going back and solidifying the game plan completely, but what not a a better week, especially with there not being a 
a game next week to, to throw in a couple trick plays. And he also talked about allowing guys to be themselves. So I think we will for sure see a couple trick plays, but I think you'll see them to guys that, you know, you wouldn't be expecting, expecting, for example, what not a perfect week to have a, a, a play with Anthony Sherman. Yeah. Or a week to you throw a touchdown pass to your backup left tackle who's played three different offensive line positions. So or, I think that's the type of stuff you'll see from the Chiefs in, in critical situations. Or maybe run a little reverse on a kickoff or something like that or put Tyree yeah. Kill back on a kickoff or let something – yeah, there's no tomorrow. And that's the thing. That's the challenge for Todd Bowles and the Bucks because – they came out last time. They were hilariously humiliated, hilariously. Tyree Kill and Patrick Mahomes put up comical numbers that week. Yeah. And this will lead me to ask you. Now, Travis Kelsey, I think this is going to be a big week for him because I think the Bucks are just going to be determined to not give up the deep ball as much as they're going to try. I just have a feeling that they are going to be playing those two deep safeties and they're going to be trying to take away the Chiefs' timing on the deep stuff. I know they, I know they have great linebackers, but Travis Kelsey has not only been able to beat great linebackers consistently; he's been able to beat great safeties and great corners. There's no, I don't think anyone in the league has found a one-on-one matchup for him. So they're going to try to probably bracket him some, I'd assume. But how long? How long can you keep bracketing him while also having to respect Hill and Hardman's speed? I don't see that happening. So yeah. I think he's going to have that big game. And then when the trick play comes, it's going to come in a real big situation. It's going to be something no one on the field is expecting. And it's probably going to be something spectacular. You know, what a great time to get Anthony Sherman some love. What a great time for an offensive lineman to catch a touchdown pass. What just an overall great time for something just crazy and out of the ordinary to happen. It's the Super Bowl. It's the last game of the season. Let it all hang out, man. You know what the Bucs need to do? What's that? They need to get people, their staff together, and go watch every game from the 1940s through the 1960s and watch what kind of crazy shit they run and hope that they can find a play that they think will run. They need to go back. That's what going to do. I mean, you'd have to think he is, especially looking at the last Super Bowl. They need to go back and find some game that Todd Bowles coached in 20 years ago and find the one play <laughs> that beat them then. And Andy Reid's going to, Andy Reid's probably going to be running some plays that he was running when he was the OC in Green Bay. And he had Brett Favre. They're probably going to throw a couple yeah. of stuff like that. And yeah. And you know what else I kind of do like about this week? Obviously, the O line is not a full strength. So we're going to be moving the pocket. Mahomes is the best at moving the pocket and running on yeah. move the pocket plays. And Andy's the best at putting him in those situations to do that. Yeah. It'll be a, it'll be a chess match between, I mean, great coaches. I wouldn't call Bruce Arians a great coach, but Todd Bowles, Spags, Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy. It'll be a, it'll be a cool chess match to watch on Sunday. I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on um, Travis Kelsey. Do you think that we'll end up chipping uh, JPP or Shaq Barrett coming off the edge? Cause in my head, when you have a, a, a Travis Kelsey who he's the best tight end in football, but as good as a route runner and as much as a mismatch that he is, I would like to see him just release right away. And if you want to chip him, that's when you bring in Anthony Sherman or you even bring in an extra an offensive lineman. Well, well, I tell you what, there have been a couple of instances on film this year. I know we don't like him. I know, oh yeah, we haven't even talked about the Chiefs' wild COVID situation. I was going to say this is his role. But the guy we all don't like, Demarcus Robinson, 
there's times the Chiefs line him up as the most inside man and like a little bunch look, and then everyone goes and runs their route, does their thing, and he actually doesn't run a route. He like leans in and blocks the wide nine or the seven, and he chips them and slows them down enough to where the tackle can get set, and then he's just kind of a safety valve. We have seen that a limited number of times, but that's in the back pocket. No idea what's going on with Robinson's COVID situation. Byron Pringle can easily do that if called upon, though. I mean, it's not a real hard job. He doesn't. All he's got to do is basically shove him, knock him off his course a little bit, and let a Wiley or a Rimmers. They don't do it often, but it is something they have in their back pocket. I could also see this being a week where Andy Reid says, all right, Anthony Sherman, you're one of the longest 10-year guys on this team. Yeah. I'm going to let you play. I'm going to let you play 50 snaps today. Yeah. It, it does. To me, that's what it does feel like, is that Anthony Sherman is going to be back there a lot at fullback, almost like a, a blocking running back with, you know, Travis Kelsey attached or spread out wide and Tyreek Hill and you know, Clyde or Mecole or whoever you want to put back there. But to me, it does feel like that kind of game where Anthony Sherman's going to kind of be an unsung hero. And you know what's even more interesting about that? Last year, Anthony Sherman was uh, – he led the – he sealed the edge on the block last year that Damian Williams ran into yeah. the touchdown. He had the big block on that because they really weren't expecting the Chiefs to run the football there, and he was able to seal the linebacker. So, yeah. You know, man, Sherman was one of those guys. His first season was Andy Reid's first season. I'm sure he's going to be playing out there for his boy, Eric Fisher, who, you know, that's Travis Kelsey's. Those are like the three original Chiefs that are still left when Andy Reid first got to town are those three. And now we're only down to two this game. So I think that Andy Reid's going to recognize that. And he's going to let his guys who he's been with him since day one, who've been a part of the rebuild, who've seen the ups and downs. I think he's going to absolutely let them go. But there has been a little bit of a slight COVID situation. I don't know if it's too big, but Demarcus Robinson and Daniel Kilgore are on the close contact list. This is the only things I've seen on it and I haven't heard much of an update except for they're both keep testing negative. I think if they test negative one more time, then they'll both be able to play. I don't know how much of an impact Demarcus Robinson has. He's been phased out for Byron Pringle, which he rightfully should be. But Daniel Kilgore is a backup offensive lineman, and the Chiefs have no depth. So if something were to go wrong in the game, that could hurt them not having him. because I'd assume he's probably the next man up to go out of this crew right now. Yeah, you're probably right. And with the COVID situation on top of that, is it? didn't Anthony Sherman, kind of while we're on that topic, didn't he donate his truck? Is that something you were saying before? I think I think Dustin Colquitt donated his truck for him. You guys need to go yeah. listen. Y'all need to go listen to the Pat McAfee. Because I remember seeing this a couple of days ago, and it said something about Anthony Sherman donating his truck. And I'm like, oh, it's probably just some charity deal. And I'm sitting here listening to Pat McAfee on my way home from work. And it turns out that uh, Dustin Colquitt and a, one other dude got a hold of Sherman's Twitter account by like tricking him or something like that. And they got in there and they posted all that stuff. And Sherman had no idea what was going on. And uh, then Dustin Colquitt texted him. He said, Hey, we gave away your truck. He's like, by the time you see this, there'll probably be like a hundred thousand likes and retweets on it. So Sherman has kind of uh, seceded to just giving his truck away. But that is actually really funny because it's a nice truck. That's why they brought Dustin Colquitt back. Yeah. 
We haven't even talked about Anthony Sherman's truck. We haven't even talked about special teams this week. I got to tell you, I've interesting weather down there in Tampa. It's going to be like a 70% chance of rain, which former Chiefs kicker Ryan Suckup is kicking for Tampa Bay and current Chief Mr. Uh, Harrison Butker, who has looked very good in the playoffs outside of the couple of hiccups versus Cleveland. He looked good. He drilled that one last week. Yeah. But uh, I I just hope special teams is not something next week that we come on this show and talk about is is a, a big impact in the game fair catch all the punts i don't care don't return any of the kickoffs i don't care just do not get any stupid penalties or any stupid turnovers on special teams you know what's kind of interesting to me ryan suck up when he has to kick long kicks i don't know if you remember this from when he's in kansas city he has the tendency to kind of kick them low so maybe yeah. we'll keep our eye on pano passing you because know, he hasn't blocked one yet i don't think he's blocked one yet this year I don't think he has either, but what he's six seven. Yeah, he's that would, he's that would be the guy to do it. Just get some interior pressure with those long arms. It's wild, man. It's the Super Bowl. There's a lot of guys who you're like, these guys aren't gonna do anything. And of course it's the Super Bowl, so it's the guys you don't expect to have an impact. Well, like Ben Neiman's played something like seven hundred pass rush snaps, never batted a ball Dang. down, never intercepted a pass. So people are like, God, he's terrible. I'm like, he's due for one now. Yeah. We made it so far in the season that he has to have a good game. How funny would that be for the game to end on a Ben Neiman interception? What if Tom Brady's <laughs> career ends on an interception to Ben Neiman? Is that just like irony? I think everybody on this show, me, you, and Peyton, would have to probably buy Ben Neiman jerseys. That was as, much, as much shit as we've talked on him for him to secure the Chiefs back-to-back Super Bowl. That would be hilarious. As we've loved to hate on Mr. Tom Brady. Before we get out of here and do all the score predictions, MVP predictions, and, of course, our Chiefs takes, um, let's talk a little bit of news around the league. Really quickly, there's a big deal happened this weekend. Uh, The Rams gave up uh, everything and not so much of anything in Jared Goff to acquire Matt Stafford from the Detroit Lions. What is your initial reaction to that move? I'm honestly, I was shocked by it. I thought if the the Rams were going to do anything at quarterback, they would probably do something in the draft or trade for uh, a young prospect that hasn't played, for example, like a Jordan Love or uh, one of those type guys that you don't know what you got out of them yet, so you could potentially give up almost nothing to get them. Um, I was shocked for them to go ahead and, and trade for Stafford. That tells me that they're basically going all in in the next – two years or so to try and win a Super Bowl. They are. That, they'll pretty much be in cap hell and have no draft picks. And it also, it also core aligns whatever Stafford's got left on his contract. I believe Aaron Donald only has three or four years left on his contract also. So they have their win there. This is their window. Yeah. Their window is here. It's set. This is when Sean McVay has to get it done. If by chance they can't get it done, I think they're going to win some games. Yeah. Because I think Matt Stafford's a good player. I think that he just plays in Detroit and has to go against yeah. guys like Aaron Rodgers twice a year. And he just kind of gets overshadowed because his team is so dysfunctional and so bad. And he actually makes really good football plays for us film guys out here. He's always someone who I like to watch play or I watch other people's clips of him. And he makes impressive plays for not having a lot to go off of. 
But real quickly, if it doesn't work out, you think Sean McVay is done in Los Angeles, especially with the situation they're about to be in draft pick-wise and salary cap-wise? If it doesn't work out, if I'm Sean McVay, I won out. I mean, yeah. that team is a, a complete disaster. I mean, right. you got to think, you're paying Jalen Ramsey a whole bunch of money. That's one person on defense that takes away a quarter of the field for the most part. And then Aaron Donald, who's to say if you guys are that bad that Aaron Donald doesn't want to go to a contender? You're talking about probably the best defensive player ever, certainly the best defensive player of my lifetime. And I'm sure he would like to have a Super Bowl on his resume. You think Aaron Donald makes more of a game impact than Ed Reed did? Yes. Really? I think he's that good. I've always I think, thought. I think he's it, – it's – when you talk about best defensive players of all time, I think there's four guys. Lawrence Taylor, mm-hmm. Ed Reed. God, I even almost want to put Ray Lewis up there just because of his leadership. But Ed Reed, Lawrence Taylor, Aaron Donald, and Deion Sanders. Yeah. Yeah, those guys are all just those guys that can make things happen at any given time. And then uh, the other thing you were talking about, you saw something. What was it that you were talking about in the story? I haven't had time to check the headlines or any rumors today, but what were you talking about? A little quarterback movement situation can possibly be unfolding. Especially for the AFC because uh, it's happening in Indianapolis. So there is rumors, and I have none of these sources have not talked to anybody. This is just what I'm hearing is that a friend of Andrew's, Andrew Luck's wife released text messages between them two talking about Andrew's baby, and it ultimately ended up to leading that Andrew Luck had a meeting within the week or so with uh, Jim Ursay of the Indianapolis Colts about a possible comeback. Now, I don't know if any of it's true, but there is speculation out there that Andrew Luck may be coming back to football. Maybe he just had to take a little – yeah, my my friend's brother's aunt's dog's cat told me that he saw Patrick Mahomes right, right. walking upside down on the seal. It could just be one of those situations. <laughs> Maybe it was Andrew Luck saying – it could be Andrew Luck saying this. That probably helped the Colts a lot. Now, he was, oh, yeah. he's an upgrade from Phillip Rivers, so they'd definitely be competing. I saw something goofy that someone was interested in, Kirk Cousins of all people – and there might be some trade interest in him. I don't quite remember who it was. I don't. I can't remember, but I did see there was – I saw the big thing. But we're not even talking about it. I saw that the Raiders got Derek Carr on the trading block, and they allegedly want to go after yeah. John Watson and do all this. So we'd have to score what? Yeah, that's – we'd have to score 40 points instead of 30. Yeah. Isn't that kind of crazy, though? Because Derek Carr is coming off probably the one of the best seasons of his career besides that season he was in the talk for MVP. Yeah, they're the week five champions. This must. <laughs> He's got a week five Super Bowl. Hey, man. But, yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. I do not want, don't want Deshaun Watson in the AFC West. AFC West I don't want, would I don't be want him there. the most ridiculously competitive quarterback. It's looking like it could Minus yeah. whatever's going on in Denver. Throw, Den. We're not talking about Denver. Doesn't play in the AFC West. They just they get beat by the AFC West. They don't play those games. But we would have to contend with Deshaun Watson twice a year, and uh, the up and comer Justin Herbert twice a season. 
Now, the Chargers and the Raiders each have major flaws because the Raiders, they don't just have some, they don't just have a bad defense. They have no defense, none. Yeah, they, and don't, play, they don't play defense at all. Be honest, Mike Mayock has been so bad at evaluating talent. He, I don't know how much better it's going to get. And especially if they throw away a bunch of draft picks to go get John Watson, I don't, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think Mike Mayock can, can, could be able to withstand longevity of building a roster. I don't think – I think he'll be gone before Gruden is just because I don't think he can build a complete roster. Now, we'll see what happens in L.A. because I have a feeling Justin Herbert is going to be – him and Mahomes are about to have an excellent rivalry brewed up in the future. Yeah, the worst part about the Chargers is they fired Anthony Lynn. Yeah. If you're a Chiefs fan, you hate that because Anthony Lynn sucks. I don't He's know just, anything. He has a way just to find – ways to lose games when they're leading i don't know anything about the guy they brought in but i don't really i don't either care too much and then you have the mess of the denver broncos and i've seen drew lock is on the shipping block and john always talking about trades what do they want like a bottle of seven up a candy bar and like a box of cereal like some apple jacks or something because that's all they're gonna get if any team gave yeah. up more than a fifth-round pick for him, I would be genuinely astonished. And then I know there's yeah. people out there like Jerry Jones who would definitely do something stupid like that. That is kind of – you know what's crazy? I did see, just talking about general NFL news, every quarterback drafted in Dak's class has either been traded um, or not signed a contract with the team that drafted him. And Dak still doesn't have a contract. And that class was supposed to be the truth. Yeah. That the class has Jared Cruz, Dak Prescott, Carson Wentz, I believe, is in that class as well. They do have a Super Bowl champion. Yeah, Carson Wentz. Yeah, they do. But... It's wild. Um, I was going to say, uh, if the Raiders did get Deshaun Watson, do you th- I think that, you know, the Raiders aren't exactly smart building their roster, but the Raiders are smart at making money part of the reason why they moved to Las Vegas. But do you think that that Chiefs and Raiders would instantly become the league's biggest rivalry again if the Raiders did get Watson? Like, because that'd be – that's must-watch television twice a year. That's two primetime games every season. And me as a Chiefs fan who would really like to go to Las Vegas and enjoy a game down there, I would love to do that. And I'd also love to see the Chiefs and Raiders get after it at Arrowhead, Mahomes versus Watson for the division year after year. Yeah, it, it would be a top rivalry. Could you imagine the headlines? I mean, you have two of the best young court, probably two, the two best young quarterbacks in the NFL. Cody, I think it would be at one point, it could be bigger than Brady versus Manning because they would be oh, guaranteed yeah. to play each other twice a season. Oh, yeah. It's it guaranteed. Be two, it'd be two playoff games, is what it would be in the yes. regular season. And they would both be huge implications for who wins the West. And then it would just be a, who can beat the Broncos by more points? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what's crazy is if you look at what histor- – so the Chiefs, I would say, are on their way to becoming a dynasty, right? Like we're, we're, we're close. If the we, game. If we win, yeah, if we win this Sunday, it's, it's time to start that conversation because in the last three years, the worst we did was we lost in the uh, AFC championship game because of an offsides penalty. Yep. 
So the talk becomes that that we're becoming a dynasty. And if you look at dynasties over the years, they completely dismantle their conferences. And so if Deshaun Watson comes to the Raiders and the Chargers hitting the lottery and drafting Justin Herbert and him being as good as he is, that is the exact opposite of what dynasties have done. So it'd be really interesting to see such a powerhouse like the Chiefs have to deal with uh, two really, really, really good quarterbacks. But if they, but you see, here's the thing. I think that Brett Veach knows how to build a complete football team. Just looking at the young guys the defense has and looking at some of the talent they've been able to acquire. Yeah. I have a feeling if the Raiders do get Deshaun Watson, the Texans would be stupid if they didn't make them give them everything they have. Not just a lot, everything. Yeah, he's going to bring that anyway. Because what you're going to have is, look what Matt Stafford got traded for, and he's, what, 32? Yeah. He's Deshaun, considered old. And Deshaun Watson's the top five quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, you're, so, trading, you're trading for a guy that takes your team from a 4-8 and eight team to potentially a wild card team, just adding one player. Yeah. I'll tell you what, though, the Chiefs have dismantled the AFC this year. That's why they're playing oh. in the Super Bowl, and that's why I believe it is time for us to give our Super Bowl predictions, our Super Bowl MVP predictions, our closing thoughts, and then, of course, our Chiefs takes. Peyton could not be here because his internet went the way of Ray Rice's career, and it's no more. So Peyton picked the Chiefs to win 31-20. to 20. I don't have an MVP for him, and um, I don't know what his who his MVP would be but I assume it would probably be Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, it kind of has to be. I mean, mm -hmm. I was thinking of who else could potentially win MVP for the Chiefs. Chris Jones, not, not even a D lineman is not going to win it. Maybe Tyron or uh, like a Tyreek. Travis Kelsey, I Kelsey. guess, would probably be the, the next one. All right, Cody. Let's get that score prediction in the MVP. Did you mention that Peyton's Chiefs take was – I'm saving those. Oh, okay, score predictions. I think that – this game is going to be one of those games kind of similar to what we saw earlier in the year. I think the Chiefs take a demanding lead at some point in the game. I'm not going to say it's early. Uh, but I think midway through the third quarter, the Chiefs have a 17-point lead or so. And Tom Brady starts what, to come back. And then, you know, Mahomes runs an execution. Four-minute drill that pretty much ends the game, leaving the Chiefs winning by four. I think the score is going to be 27-23. Okay. I think the final score is going to be 37 to 27. And uh, the MVP is going to be Patrick Mahomes. I think he has another massive day. I think the Chiefs offense comes out, fires on all cylinders like it should. And I think they just take advantage of the lack of depth and the lack of passing defense that Tampa has because they're not magically transforming. I mean, it's playoffs. They've played more aggressively, but the Chiefs are always going to be the aggressors. Yep. But – I also think the Chiefs defense comes out, and I am agree with you, somewhere in the second or third quarter, the Chiefs are going to stop them three or four times in a row. This is a 2018 revenge game from that AFC Championship game. It may not seem like it, but to those guys on the Chiefs, they got to know it. And those guys who I'm looking to have the biggest chip on their shoulder are the guys on that defense to let Tom Brady do that to them at Arrowhead, and I think they're going to bring it to him on his home field now. And I'm talking about, of course, Chris Jones – who didn't have much of an impact that game, got called for a horrendous roughing the passer foul late in the game. I'm talking about Anthony Hitchens, who's been more criticized than anyone 
in the entire history of the Chiefs for his linebacker play, who is now playing at the highest level of his career. Very bad game he played that AFC championship game. I'm talking about Jarvarius Ward, who had the game-sealing interception in his hands before they called D Ford for offsides. And I am talking about Dirty Dan Sorensen, who played potentially one of his – the first biggest game of his career came that night. He had an interception. He also was able to have 12 tackles, and he had a giant fourth down stop to get the ball back into Patrick Mahomes' hands. And those guys are going to come out with their chip on their shoulder. And I think that, of course, the guy who's been able to beat Brady, the guy that Brady cannot seem to beat, and the guy who was brought to Kansas City to beat Brady, Steve Spagnuolo, I think he's going to let that crew of guys right there go out and play to the best of their ability. So I think the Chiefs do go up three possessions at some point. I think they Tampa rallies late, but it's not going to be enough. So I'm going 37 to 27. I would agree. It is, it is kind of lining up to be a Dan Sorensen game, right? I mean, what, it's been three weeks since he's had one? So he's due. It's been a – dude, well, if there was – I know a lot of people – I mean, I don't know how well Sorensen matches up for what they like to do, but no. I don't think he does, but, you know. He doesn't – honestly, Caleb, he doesn't match up well. For, for anything anything does. Yeah, it, I mean, that's the reality of it is he really doesn't match up well for anything. But somehow, some way, he finds a way to make plays. Yeah. Gosh, if there was ever a week for the Chiefs' defensive line to figure it out, I will say this. Tampa's O-line is really good. Before we do the Chiefs' take, their O-line's really good. It favors the defensive lineman the second time you see a team in a year because there's only so much you can do as an offensive lineman. And now yeah. the D-line got – now the D-line guys, they have their move and they got their counter move ready to go for this week. So – when watching the film, I think Frank Clark's going to attack their left tackles inside gap. Not a Chiefs take. I just thought I'd get that out there. Let's read Peyton's Chiefs take real quick. Um, and Mr. Peyton has said this. He said uh, the Chiefs are going to pick off Tom Brady three times this game. That's his Chiefs take. And I'm assuming it'll be for him some combination of Breland, Sneed, and the Honey Badger. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good Chiefs take. We kind of touched on mine earlier. Um, I think Anthony Sherman catches the touchdown pass from Patrick Mahomes somewhere in the red zone at a critical point in the game when we need a touchdown to take a two-touchdown lead. The sausage. The that's sausage. A good, that's a good take right there. It's been a while. It's been a few weeks. It has been a few weeks. He gives his truck away. He becomes a Super Bowl hero. Here's my Chiefs take. Last year's Super Bowl – Chris Jones has, was the most underrated player in that game. He batted down four passes and had a couple of pass rushes late in the game that not only when the Chiefs were down 10, got them the momentum back, but down that game, they were down 10, and the 49ers got the ball back, and it looked like it was going to be curtains because it looked like they were just going to run the clock out. And Chris Jones started going crazy, and he went into a different mode that and he started playing his best. I don't think Chris Jones is going to win the MVP, but Chris Jones will be in the conversation for the Super Bowl MVP after this game. It's going to go to Mahomes, but I think Chris Jones comes out. I think he gets a couple of sacks, bats down a couple of passes, and I think that Tampa Bay does try to establish a run, and I think he just goes in there and stuffs it up and clogs everything up, and I think that he is really going to be the juice guy this week for the defense that leads them to victory. That is my Chiefs take. 
Oh boy, that was the last Chiefs closing, take of the season. Last Chiefs take of the season. Closing thoughts. What does Chris Jones do really well? Gets under people's skin. Is there a hothead that plays center for Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Is. Yes, there is. Let's play football. Let's play football. And you know <laughs> what? If Tampa Bay wants to run the football, we'll see what Derek Naughty and Big Mike have to say about that. Oh, yeah. All right, Cody, it's been a blast. I wish Peyton hadn't gotten disconnected from us because of his internet situation. But here we are, guys. It's Super Bowl week. Go out, enjoy yourself, have fun. Never take the Chiefs beat on this game for granted. This has been the Chiefs Take Podcast, a production of Arrowhead Live and Border Fuel Sports Media. And as always, keep on keeping on.